What's up, Story Geeks? It's Jay. On today's podcast, we're continuing our latest serial from the Story Geeks and the Reclamation Society, Time Slingers Season 1, our online time travel adventure series, which we've now turned into an audiobook. While we work on our new upcoming full cast audiobook, Death of a Bounty Hunter, we thought it'd be fun to republish Time Slingers Season 1 as an audiobook as well. Last week, we published episode zero of the first chapter of the audiobook, and this week, we're diving into episode one. I hope you had a chance to check out my writer's commentary on our Patreon account. I talked about the story, and more specifically, about my tour of Los Alamos National Laboratories in New Mexico. If you become a supporter of the Story Geeks podcast on Patreon for only $3 a month, you unlock that writer's commentary. You also unlock the full audiobook when it's completed. If you'd rather read a physical copy or a digital copy of Time Slinger Season 1, those are also available, have been available for a really long time. And if you don't want to become a patron, you can actually purchase the audiobook as well. Links to all of those things are in the show notes, or you can head over to patreon.com slash thestorygeeks for more information. Here's episode one of Time Slingers. Episode one. November 22nd, 1963, Dallas, Texas. Operation Yamato, a bold step forward for XLS phase travel operations. Complex, detailed, and ambitious, a strike at the heart of the Union's future infrastructure. Buzz, garbled voices, static. And it was starting with a communication issue. Klein tapped the side of his data pad. It had been 18 hours since his last contact with command. He'd heard nothing since. You sure about this? Asked the young man. Disheveled clothes and unkempt hair, suspicious and misguided enough to be the perfect prey, he was the first cog in the XLS's fast-growing machine. He eyed the bolt-action rifle Klein removed from his briefcase. The future needs to change, said Klein. After today, you'll be a hero. Klein moved to the window. Anxious onlookers lined the streets below. Excitement coursed through the city streets. He didn't have much time. The motorcade was close. Still no response from command. The datapad's transmission strength was spotty and unreliable, which reaffirmed that his concern was valid. Disrupted transmission strength could mean any number of problems, including molecular teleportation complications. If that were true, Klein was stuck in Dallas. Outside, the murmur of the crowd grew louder. Klein pushed the rifle toward the young man. Load it. Take your position. A former Marine, the young man handled the rifle like a trained marksman. The XLS's background checks, psychological modeling, and brain pattern research had netted a perfect subject. Klein had spent the last three days feeding his paranoia. He was ready. Klein engaged the data pad. Command, do you copy? Static. A hair on the back of Klein's neck bristled. He listened. Nothing but the beat of his own heart. And then, his data pad buzzed. Mission compromised. Union agents on approach. Abort! The young man took a knee at the window and waited for Klein's order. Faint thuds could be heard coming from the stairwell. Klein grimaced. He couldn't stop now. Eliminate the mark, Klein commanded. He bolted to the front door and yanked it open. The footfalls in the nearby staircase grew louder. His data pad showed no signs of incoming heat signatures. Subdivision Timeslingers had found him. Inside the Texas School Book Depository. Blam! One shot. 
blam, blam, followed by two more. Hector reached the sixth floor first. No sign of the XLS agent. The shots had been fired from somewhere nearby. Across the hall, a door stood ajar. Hector and Jack took positions on either side of the doorframe. Three, two, one. Jack shoved his foot through the door. A young man carrying an old bolt-action rifle rose from his spot at the window. He swung the rifle around. Jack dove aside. Hector's gun flared. Green energy snagged the man's torso, and arches of lightning spread through his body. He gasped and dropped the gun as he lost all muscle control. He stumbled to his knees. Hector rushed to the window. Mayhem had erupted in the city streets below. Where'd he go? asked Jack. The shooter stared. Where is he? The man's eyes darted to the side. He squinted. Don't know what you're talking about. I'm alone. Jack scanned the young man's eyes. A positive match. He showed Hector, who engaged his communicator. Subject found. Oswald. Lee Harvey. XLS footprint evident. This is the guy they targeted. Hector peered out the window at the grisly scene below. Mass hysteria spread like a swarm of locusts. He set his jaw and frowned. The union had failed. Hector headed for the door and Jack followed close behind. A quick sweep of the sixth floor revealed nothing. The clamor downstairs grew. Shrill screams and sirens. Oswald made a laborious, wobbly dash for the exit. Jack moved to stop him, but Hector grabbed his upper arm. Let him go. There's nothing more we can do here. June 2nd, 2147. Colonel Taylor's office, Union Subdivision. His data pad buzzed. Colonel Taylor jumped out of his chair and grabbed it. The message read, Mission failure. JFK assassinated. A bold move by an enemy that grew more intrepid with each strike. A decade ago, time travel was still science fiction. Now, the past was considered the most critical covert battleground since the moon. Time, or phase travel, was building its own list of unknown heroes. Time slingers. Agents who fought their way through history to protect the present. And today, the wrong guys had won. The data pad buzzed again. Incoming call from Brigadier General Ethan Falco. Sir, is this a mistake? No, sir. Falco swore. A long silence followed. And then, this has far-reaching implications. What happened? We're not sure yet. What were they after? Asked Falco. This just for show, or is there something more? I don't have any of the details yet. My gut tells me this is only a preliminary strike. For goodness sake, Bill. A president? If they can pull this off, what else can they do? Taylor ground his teeth. They've never attempted anything this bold before. So they caught us with our pants down? Is that it? Clean this mess up. The XLS is gaining ground politically. They bank on chaos. This is going to give them another foothold. We can't let this get out. Don't let something like this happen again. The security risk is off the charts. Get it under control. I don't have time to hold your hand. I've got other things that need my full attention. Send me a report and tie up your loose ends. Yes, sir. Falco ended the call. Taylor fumed. Not more than three seconds later, the colonel's data pad buzzed a third time. He grabbed it and growled. What is it? We just picked up another XLS transfer signal, sir. They're moving again. Thanks for listening to episode one of Time Slingers season one. We'll be back next week with episode two. We're traveling through time again. That's kind of what the story does. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss out. 
And stay tuned after this outro, I'll play a clip from my exclusive behind the scenes commentary where I talk a little bit more about the Kennedy assassination and why so many time travel stories focus there. If you want access to the full commentary on each episode, support us on Patreon at the $3 a month tier, which is the tier that most people support us at anyways. That's over at patreon.com slash thestorygeeks. If you want to binge listen to Time Slingers Season 1, you can order the entire audiobook when it's complete. Or if you'd prefer to read it yourself, you can get a print or digital copy as well. Links to all of those items are in the show notes, or you can find more information at patreon.com slash thestorygeeks. Episode 1 was written and read by Jay Shear, me... Nathan Sheck illustrated this book and served as a story consultant. Time Slingers Season 1, including Episode 1, was produced by the Reclamation Society. Here's a clip from my exclusive audio commentary, and I'll catch you next week for Episode 2. Don't forget to subscribe. We started the story here. Episode one was the beginning of the story. This was the very first part of Time Slingers was about this assassination. And I mentioned back then, uh, I didn't want to spoil it, but you know, we didn't really want to start here because so many other stories that are time travel stories deal with the Kennedy assassination. And so we thought like, Hey, you know, let's not start there. Uh, let's start somewhere else. And it gave us ability to um, introduce more characters faster, which was cool. So yeah, this is uh, us getting into the Kennedy assassination. Um, it's funny because I did quite a bit of research on the Kennedy assassination, and there's not very many pages dedicated to it. <laughs> That's how writing goes. Sometimes you uh, do a bunch of research, but then you put very little of it into the actual story. And it was fun, though. I mean, learned a lot about uh, Lee Harvey Oswald and what was going on with him. Um it's interesting in time travel stories, and we're going to talk a lot about this, but in time travel stories, you kind of have to decide how you want um, things to behave. And it's very difficult because there's this butterfly effect that they talk about, right? Like if a butterfly, um, uh, the ripples of a butterfly flapping its wings can like change, change things all over the world. And the point being for time travel stories is that a little tiny thing that happens in the past can have a dramatic impact on the future. And um, what I like about that and what I don't like about that is that it makes the future very difficult to predict um, if you change something very minute in the past. But what I like about it is it gives you a lot of opportunity to change a bunch of things and mess with it. But the, the real issue you run into really fast is if you can change things in the past that will definitely affect the future, uh, the thing you run into really fast is that, um, well, what if you kill off a whole family? What happens to the family in the actual future? So if you have time slavers, time, let's just say you have time travelers, say that 10 times fast. Let's say you have time travelers in the future and you go back in the past several, several generations and you kill like their great, great, great grandfather. Well, that person still should not exist. So they just disappear, right? This is the back to the future way of handling it, right? We have a photo, we have a photograph and the photograph is of this family. And when bad things happen, these people start to disappear.